This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. The Netflix series Wednesday takes the breakout Adams Family character Wednesday Adams and breaks her out of her home environment. Gomez and Morticia pack her off to their alma mater, the gloomy, gothy Nevermore Academy, a school for outcasts like her. As she navigates her new environment, she's drawn into the investigation of a series of grisly murders. Plus, she's beset by psychic visions, mean girls, and one seriously bubbly roommate. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Wednesday on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. With more and more information coming at you all day, every day, it can be hard to know where to focus. The new Consider This newsletter from NPR can be that focus. Every weekday afternoon, we take one of the day's biggest stories and break it down in a simple, skimmable format so you can get a better grasp of one important topic and what it means for you in a couple of minutes. Sign up for free at npr.org slash consider this newsletter. Joining me today is writer Ella Ceron, whose book Viva Lola Espinosa will be out in April and is available for pre-order right now. Hello, Ella. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you because I need to talk about this show. Wednesday stars Jenna Ortega as Wednesday Adams, the only daughter in a beloved family of freaks created by cartoonist Charles Adams in 1938. But this take on the character grows most directly from the death-obsessed, hilariously deadpan version played by Christina Ricci in a couple of Adams Family films, iconic, I would say, Adams Family films in the early 90s. Ricci shows up in Wednesday, as do Wednesday's parents, Gomez and Morticia, played here by Louis Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones. But the series focuses on Wednesday's turbulent life at Nevermore Academy, a school for magical creatures like werewolves and sirens. Wednesday's chirpy roommate Enid is played by Emma Sinclair, her chief rival Bianca by Joy Sunday, and Hunter Doohan and Percy Hines White play a couple of potential love interests. There's a monster in the woods outside the school dismembering folk, there's a secret society, there's a mystery involving Wednesday's parents, there's dances and boat races, and did we mention the school's principal is played by Gwendolyn Christie? Because that happens too. Wednesday was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Millar, the team behind Smallville. Tim Burton is an executive producer. He also directed four episodes of its eight-episode season. Wednesday, as I say, is streaming on Netflix. Ella, like most Americans, you are a fan of the Wednesday Adams character. What do you think of this take? Oh, gosh. So I do need to back up and say that I have been in love with the Adams family, I think, since a babysitter showed me the VHS. Uh-huh. Those movies are campy. They're iconic especially if you're a really quiet little girl and, you know, people get, they're like, you're not so cute. You're very quiet. You're very serious. You're very Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I latched onto that at a very young age. And so I've been obsessed with the Adams family and with Wednesday specifically since as long as I can remember. So when they first announced this show and the premise, I was actually a little skeptical because like you said, there's a lot going on that really dives into the supernatural. And my understanding of the Adams family has always been that they're just weird. <laughs> These are just some weird goths living their life in a very suburban place. And that satire 
is what makes them so great. So I was a little skeptical going in, but as the show and the episodes picked up and the world building, which was so great and really comprehensive, kind of laid itself out, they hooked me in and I was like, okay, I get get what's happening here. This is an update. My protection over this IP and my love and nostalgia, (laughs) I can suspend that for right now to understand and appreciate what they're doing here. I agree that there's uh, some stuff to like here, but I think when it comes to Jenna Ortega's central performance, there's a lot to love. Just imagine this whole thing is on her shoulders Mm -hmm. and I think she nails it because as much as I also love the Adams Family films and like any self-respecting middle-aged gay man, I am off book on Adams Family values, (laughs) chapter and verse. The Wednesday character there is a flavoring agent. You know, she's not the main course. So she can afford the monotone affect because especially in those amazing summer camp scenes, she's such a stark contrast to everyone around her. Plus, and I think this turns out to be a huge factor for me, everything that comes out of her mouth is written by Paul Rudnick, right? So it's very funny. Here she's the focus over eight hour long episodes And the environment around her is pretty much just as goth as she is. So she can't just do what she does in the movies. She's got to show us layers. And she has to do that without violating, you know, the central organizing principle of this character. I do not envy that task as an actor. I think Ortega nails it. I think she does this flat effect, yet she's also able to show us just with her eyes when something or someone actually reaches her. Plus, there's a dance scene that she has that's just fantastic. But I got to say, it's that central performance that kept me going because everything around her I found just pretty flat and familiar. And if we weren't doing it for the show, I think I would have bailed on this pretty early. This setting is my deal breaker. This setting, man, it is the year 2022, and we're still doing YA School for Magic. We're still doing not warts. (laughs) I get that it's a genre. I do. But why got to feel so generic? I mean, the dialogue here for the most part, is, and I say this with love, WB superhero show level. And that's okay. Some actors can nail that if they have the right delivery. If you toss off a B-minus joke or reference, it can work. But if you lean into it, as so many of them are doing here, you call too much attention to it, it just feels sweaty. The stakes are pretty low, as they are often in YA School for Magic stuff, because you've got to keep this kid in the school long past when they would have gotten expelled or even arrested. So there's a lot of scenes of one more infraction from you and, you know, those scenes. Or you have Wednesday working with local law enforcement in the way that local law enforcement tends not to work with amateur teen sleuths. Uh, The show calls it out to its credit, but it still does it. So I was finding a lot around the central character just too flat. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying there. I was just like, we've we've been here before at this small town that's being besieged by murders. We've seen this yeah. a trillion times. And on some level, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I, um, one of the beauties of the original movies is that these are just these weirdos amid a bunch of preps. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how are they going to contrast that if, to your point, everybody is as goth as she is. She is still slightly more goth than everybody else because she gets some sort of special license to have a black and gray uniform Mm -hmm. while everyone else is wearing purple. Mm -hmm. I will say, by the way, the outfits were phenomenal in a way that Mm -hmm. wasn't actually like costumey, except she did wear Prada monoliths. And I was like, I'm sorry, what, <laughs> what's going on? She's wearing Pradas. It's a wealthy family. They are. They are inexplicably wealthy. There's, it's That's never explained. I did kind of miss 
the pearls and the cardigans that are central, I think, to the other movies because there is that contrast. And Wednesday in the other movies is more of like a straight man character. She's yep. She has the deadpan lines, but it's everybody else being ridiculous around her. And so I think Jenna did a really good job of giving just enough emotion when she needed to and then like pulling it back immediately. Mm-hmm. But there is always going to be that nostalgia of like, okay, I, I this is also reinforcing why I love the original so much as as I do. Well, let's talk about that because I think what you're talking about there is the direction as much as anything else. And the direction of those early episodes, when I saw that Tim Burton director credit, I was like, let's do this because, of course, it seems inevitable. It seems overdue. Like, this is a property made for Tim Burton, right? I mean, it's amazing to me that he hasn't done this before. But then again, what is Edward Scissorhands but an Adams Family movie, basically? And yet, what you get is just something that looks like everything else on Netflix. Same camera aspect, same ratio, same color palette. I don't necessarily think of Burton as an actor's director, but he does pull that amazing Ortega performance out of her. I think that's mostly her, but a little bit of him. But the show looks really flat. And look, I understand the difference between film and television. They're different media. They have vastly different resources. Even if you're talking Netflix money, it's still, (laughs) film has a lot more money. And I'm not trying to conflate production design and directing here. I understand they're two different things. But man, if you told me that a couple of Adams Family films directed by Barry Sonnenfeld would look and feel a hell of a lot more like Tim Burton than an Adams Family show that's actually directed... By Tim Burton, I I wouldn't have believed you. Right. So my favorite Batman movie is Batman Returns, and that's Tim Burton. Uh, It's Christmas Batman in my house, so tis the season. (laughs) But that feels like an Adams Family set as well. Like That feels right in the canon. And so this did feel a lot more like CW. It felt a lot. I was reminded a lot of Sabrina, which uh, Netflix just ended. Sure. It, It just felt very much in that same vein of like, oh, this is what they're trying to do. This is the hole that they're trying to fill. It felt like more like from the world of Tim Burton than opposed to like a Tim Burton, Tim Burton thing as I know it. Sure. As the trailers say, from the mind of Tim Burton. (laughs) Uh, But let me ask you about something. So this series does acknowledge that the Adams Family came to America from Mexico. You got Guzman playing Gomez. You got Ortega playing Wednesday. You got a little later in the season, uh, Fred Armisen showing up as uh, Uncle Fester. How does that land on you? Well, so my favorite tradition of the Adams family is actually that Raul Julia, who played uh, Gomez Adams in the movies, mm-hmm. made the character Latino. Mm-hmm. So if I can nerd out for five seconds, uh, the father in the comic book as made by Charles Adams never had a name. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the TV shows came along and they were like, okay, we have to give him a name. Um, and they landed on Gomez. And he was Castilian Spanish, which is very mm-hmm. different from being Latino. That's actually just being Hispanic. Um, But then by the time that Raul Julia came around and used his accent and used his mannerisms and really just gave a Shakespearean performance to the role. (laughs) And since then, they've leaned into it. Oscar Isaac voiced Gomez in the animated movies. Mm -hmm. And it really does make the characters feel like canonically Latino. And there are references to their heritage in the show. There's a quip about Dia de Muertos. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a moment where she's listening to La Llorona, which is an iconic Zapotec song. I knew it. Hello, thing. Did you really think my highly trained olfactory sense wouldn't pick up on the faint whiff of neroli and bergamot in your favorite hand lotion? But 
at the same time, they're very much treating it like it is what it is. There is no plot line of, hey, the Adamses are Latino. Mm -hmm. And so I personally liked it. And to see that continuity also with Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester, it also added that level of normalization, I would want to say. Whereas when I was a little kid and I saw Raul Julia and I was like, oh, here's a weirdo Latino, kind of like my dad. Yeah. (laughs) This Gomez is far more muted, but it definitely still had that moment of like, okay, this is Latino daddy daughter time. Let me like get into my feelings and text my father. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the mom too, because I think one thing this version also adds to the canon is it creates a real sense of friction and resentment between Wednesday and her mom. Uh, And I was wondering what that's doing there besides just adding kind of YA teen angst. But what it's effectively doing is it's isolating her as a character even more. Because, of course, in the films, you know, when she's home, she's home. The Addams Family sticks together. It's the Addams Family versus the world. And here, by introducing that split, did that work for you? I thought it was a necessary split, Mm -hmm. I would almost want to say. Because, again, this show is very different from the movies in that the movies are really the Gomez and Morticia show. And this is the Wednesday show. So creating that divide drives Wednesday away from home a little bit more. And Catherine Zeta-Jones, who I must note is not Latina, she plays a Morticia that is far less sardonic than Angelica Houston's. And it's filled with a lot more remorse and a little bit of regret, I would Mm want to say. Mm -hmm. I don't have a teenage daughter, but I would imagine my mother at that point and felt a lot of the feelings and the griefs and sorrows that she felt. I do think that they were very smart in not trying to create everything note for note from the original. Yeah. I I think it's tough to kind of wipe those movies out of the, out of your memory as you're watching this. Was there anything else you wanted to hit? Anything specific we didn't get to? I do have to say the, the classmates dynamic felt a little thin sometimes. Mm -hmm. Some of the characters felt really flat. One of her classmates who is the brooding artist in the sea of outcasts. Like how much more can you be an outcast? (laughs) He felt very uneven and I wish they could have done more with him. And that really would have sold the potential love triangle Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I gotta be honest though. I was really rooting for the normie romance. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cute. And I was like, okay, I get it. Now I understand what it looks like when anybody who isn't as goth as me dates me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is weird. (laughs) I'm the little goth black rain cloud. Here I am. And I was really rooting for that one. They got, they got me that plot twist. I did not see coming. I will say that. Yeah, I agree. Well, we want to know what you think about Wednesday. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. Ellis Arone, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. If you got a second and you're so inclined, please sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. This episode was produced by Ramel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music, which you are glowering menacingly to right now. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we'll see you all tomorrow. From the campaigns to the conventions, from now through Election Day and beyond, the NPR Politics Podcast has you covered. As Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off again, we bring you the latest news from the trail and dive deep into each candidate's goals for a second term. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast every weekday. On the TED Radio Hour... 
In the middle school cafeteria, Tai Tashiro always sat with his equally nerdy buddies. The socially awkward kids who were the furthest thing from cool. And he often wondered, Why am I so socially awkward? And what am I going to do about that? Now Tai is a psychologist and expert on awkwardness. And he has some answers. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. These days, it can feel like the news is fighting for your attention wherever you turn, but staying informed shouldn't be a battle. Everything you need to navigate the stories that matter to you is at your fingertips. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download the NPR app in your app store today, or you can go to npr.org slash 